Losers on a try screen. It's debating time, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic, probably, maybe, maybe not, hopefully, fantastic episode of Convince Me. Andy Rutherford here, joined as always by Mr. Brian Bennett, Mr. Casey Elrod. Gentlemen, it's another week. How's it going? Lord have mercy. I have no clue what you just said. <laughs> I get it. I get it. As with most things that are any relevance in the world, me and Bennett get it. Elrod doesn't. Uh, Do but not, do what? I get it. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, this argument's going to be completely based on the arguments because Elrod okay. has no idea what we're talking about. I'm going to learn tonight. Go learn today. <laughs> uh, it's another episode of Convince Me. Before we get into the meat of the matter. Uh, there's a special shout out I want to give because as you guys on Facebook are watching this on Tuesday, you guys in podcast land are listening to this um, Wednesday morning or whenever you happen uh, to stumble across it. A big shout out to somebody that as of this morning, uh, if you're watching this on Tuesday, yesterday morning, if you're listening on Wednesday, uh, gave us a huge shout out uh, on her Instagram page, Miss Abby Gastitis. Um, captain of the U.S. women's uh, Olympic rugby team, uh, far cooler, far more accomplished than any of us three will ever be. Um, and we thank her for that shout-out. If you're joining us for the first time because of her shout-out, uh, welcome. Um, and uh, I'd like to say we'd help her out in any way we can, but I don't know how we can help her. But if she thinks of anything, uh, hopefully she'll let us know. Thank you, Abby. Hope you're listening. Uh, and we appreciate the shout out uh, so, so very much. So tonight or today, whichever, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to kick it back old school. But before we get into it, we're going to talk about go, go Power Rangers, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. But where you, we need you, the listener, the viewer, we need you to go somewhere and help us out. And where we need you to go is podcastawards.com because we are in the running. Believe it or not, this little podunk show that we put together out of boredom, we are in the running uh, for the People's Choice Podcast Award in the entertainment category. And also because we're in the entertainment category, uh, we automatically qualify for the overall People's Choice Award. Uh, but we need your help. What we need you to do, everybody that's listening, go to podcastawards.com. And what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to show those that are looking at us on Facebook. The page looks like this. You go to podcastawards.com. There's this little link here that says click me to nominate my favorite podcasts. You're going to click on that button. You're going to register your information, just your name, uh, your email, set up a password. And what we need you to do is check this little box right here that says, please consider me as one of the listeners that will be randomly selected to vote. Then you hit sign up. Uh, after you sign up, you're going to get a list of, of topics there under the entertainment category is convince me. Uh, under the People's Choice Award is convince me. Please, guys, get out there and nominate us. 
because this could be absolutely huge for us. And if it's huge for us, it can be huge for you. Uh, vote for your other favorite podcast too, as long as they're not one of those two categories, because obviously we take precedent. But, uh, you know, sports category, if you want to vote for the fantasy footballers or, or the Jim Cornette experience, those are great podcasts. I listen to those every week. Uh, I'm sure you have other podcasts too. Uh, go vote for your favorites as long as we are one of your favorites and uh, help us out, guys. I haven't even talked to these two guys about it yet, uh, but if we get nominated because of your help, we're going to do something big. What that is yet, I don't know, but we're going to do something big. If we win, we're going to do something huge, uh, but we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Right now, we're just trying to get nominated, uh, and we can't nominate ourselves. We need you guys to get out there in droves and do it. Tell all your friends to do it. Uh, I will repost the information uh, on our socials. Uh, make sure you're sharing that, spreading the word. Help us out, and we can do so much more for this show uh, if we get into that level this quick. But anyway, as always, the Facebook page, the Twitter page, the Instagram page. Make sure you're checking it out. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out the podcast every week, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's enough shilling uh, to start the show. Let's get into the show. Um, guys, at least for myself and Mr. Bennett, I don't know what Mr. Elrod's deprived childhood was like because uh, he seemed to miss out on a lot of things. But at least myself and Mr. Bennett, who I believe are in the vast majority uh with you guys that are watching slash listening tonight, we grew up on Saturday morning cartoons, on on those kid shows and those shows that came on in the afternoons when we got home from school. And being like myself and Mr. Bennett, who grew up the very tail end of the 80s and into the 90s, really, there's two shows. There were a lot of shows, but there's two that really stand out. And I think we all loved both of them we had the action figures we watched the tv show every day uh we went to the theaters when they put out their movies we all loved them both but tonight we are going to choose we're forcing ourselves to choose which one takes the cake which one is better and that is the teenage mutant ninja turtles versus the mighty Morphin power rangers uh, myself for the Turtles, Mr. Bennett for the Rangers, Mr. Elrod, our clueless mediator. Mr. Elrod, before we get into this, tell us exactly why you are a great mediator uh, for this particular episode. Because between the two franchises, I have probably watched maybe one of the movies. I was never a big fan of either one of these groups, but, you know, we talk a lot about the mediator part going into these shows about how we'll look at some stuff in advance. I can assure you, Bennett, and right, that I've not looked at anything in advance. So this is going to be decided squarely on the arguments tonight. So come and get some. All right. Well, Mr. O'Rod, tell us what we need to do to get All right. into this. So this is not nothing too fancy here. I have picked a random number between one and and 400. Closest one, doesn't matter if you go over or not, gets to decide whether they go first or second tonight. So, I've got the number here, so 10 seconds between 1 and 400. Do we need to write it down? Or? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Number is 176. Wow. 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 Not most on the nose. Cheaters. Been doing it all night. (laughs) Feeling it tonight. Must be that Power Ranger, like, ESP or whatever. It's got to be what it is. Would you like to go first or second, sir? I believe I'll see what it's like to go second. Ooh, we'll have Rutt out of the gate tonight. All right, Sir Rutt, give me your opening statement for the Ninja Turtles. Here's the thing. Both of you guys know me pretty well. Some of our listeners, uh, at the beginning, all of our listeners, but we've attracted some new people. Um, but most of our, a lot of our listeners know me pretty well. When I was growing up, if I liked something, I was – all in on it. Of course, everybody knows I'm a huge professional wrestling guy. Have been for as long as I can remember. And that pretty much controlled my childhood. But believe it or not, I was not a big sports guy growing up. I didn't watch much baseball or football until I was probably nine or ten or so. But in those formative years before that, there were really two things besides professional wrestling. And the first one of those two things that came along were these four funny, bad, to the bone, just cool as they could be, turtles. Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. And for as long as I can remember, I couldn't wait catch the show, whether that be on Saturday morning, whether that be when I got home from school. I had the movies on VHS and watched them over and over and over. My toy box was filled to the brim with these little green guys. I had cereal bowls. I had cups. I had spoons. I had shirts. There is nothing that hit me quite on the level that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did. And Power Rangers came along. Power Rangers were really cool. I remember the first Power Ranger episode I ever watched and how fun that was. And I had a lot of those toys, too. I went to watch that movie in theater, and it was this big phenomenon. But it did not touch. came as close as anything else, but it did not touch what the Ninja Turtles were to me. And in doing my research for the show, I've found that the Ninja Turtles, 30 plus years later, still reach people today. So what I'm going to show you, Mr. Elrod, and our viewers and our listeners, through the evidence that I'm going to present tonight, is that the Power Rangers were amazing. But they weren't the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right, Bennett. All right, <clears throat> let's take a little trip back in time, okay? Nirvana, mm. they've just released their third and final album, In Utero. Bill Clinton has just been sworn into office. Your boy, Peyton Manning, was a senior in high school. <laughs> that was before this. four losses to Florida. <laughs> I almost said that. It's over, but, isn't it? 
I almost I almost threw that in there, but I'm trying to win this, so I didn't. Just remember, just remember that. I like it. That's an Elrod point right there. All right, and this this crazy stat here right here was on both people's mind. The Dallas Cowboys have just won their second consecutive Super Bowl. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> and you are in the first grade. Okay, you come home from school. You run to the front door. You bust through the front door. You land on the couch or you land on the ground. First thing that's available, you fumble for the remote and you flip it on Fox Kids because the hottest on television is on and it comes on right when you get out of school. You have to get home as soon as possible. This show had these amazing spandex costumes and these bright colors. There's these tons of action scenes and there's like 900 million guitar riffs in every single episode. You had these like crazy looking villains. You're like, man, this show's awesome. Then out come these dinosaurs. And then they come together and make the Megazord. And you're hooked. This is the best thing you've ever seen in your entire life. But it's not just you. It's literally everyone everyone's crazy about this you have the shoes you have the watch you have the wallet you have the shirt you've got the underwear you've got the backpack inside your backpack you've got the pencils you've got the folder you've even got the little pouch where you used to keep your little 50 cents for your snack money <laughs> at elementary school you've got all this stuff you get done watching the show you've got your video games and you've got your toys. Oh, man, do you have an army of toys of this show? Just ask my parents about that one. Of course, this is the year 1993, and I'm talking about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and they were everywhere. And this was literally my life. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> the Power Rangers, they went on a tear. An absolute tear from 93 to 95 but what's even more amazing about than just that amazing run they had is that they're still around today they're still going strong in the year 2020 and at their peak nothing was better even close as the mighty Morphin power rangers and we'll talk about this tonight as i will convince you that it's the mighty Morphin power rangers mm that are the best all right well before we start this rut i better be seeing a photo of young rut with some ninja turtle gear on before i'm literally show. looking it up right now Hold <laughs> on. well he looks it up Barrett, take me back to the beginning of the mighty Morphin power rangers tell me about the beginnings the characters Take me back to where it all started for them. Oh, and tell me why, they, why they're called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, too. Well, as I was saying, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they took America by storm in 93. The first episode came out August 28, 1993, and it instantly became a smash hit in the United States. Like I said before, the franchise has spanned 27 seasons, with 20 different series and three movies. 
Now, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they were the first. They're like the OGs. <laughs> and uh, the actual franchise itself was, for at least for the United States, that is, was created by Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. Now, the Power Rangers are based off the very popular Japanese show, Super Sentai. And the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they were based on a show that's translated into Beast Rangers from the Super Sentai series, which was their 16th version. So it's the Japanese counterpart, Beast Rangers, that the 16th season that they got the Power Rangers from. And how he got this was Mr. Bon was in Japan. I don't know why, but he's in Japan and he's in his hotel room and he sees the show and you see the people in the costumes and they're going around fighting these crazy villains and everything. And he's like, man, this is awesome. He's like, we need this in the United States. So he comes back to America and he pitches this idea to everybody about needing a show. Like we need this show. It's great. And everybody looks at him like he's crazy. They're like, this is, you know, it is the nineties, but this is too weird. This isn't going to work. It's going to be a no for me. He heard the word no a lot. It took him seven years of pitching this idea before the five folks over at Fox Kids finally said, sure, why not? Let's go with it. So they got their big break in 93 when Fox Kids said, sure, let's go for it. So for those who don't know, the Power Rangers are a group of teens with attitude chosen by Zordon. And Zordon, you need to think of, as this big talking head, think uh, Wizard of Oz. And he's got his little assistant, Alpha 5. Think of him as like a knockoff C-3PO from Star Wars. And these teens that Zordon has chosen are tasked to defend Earth against the evil space witch Rita Repulsa and her minions. The five teens that he chose were Jason Lee Scott, Zach Taylor, Kimberly Hart, Trini Kwan, and Billy Cranston. Now, to become Power Rangers, they're given these Power Morphers, a Power Coin, and a Dinosaur to battle with Rita. When these Morphers come together, they become their Ranger, Jason the Red Ranger, Zach the Black Ranger, Kimberly the Pink Ranger, Trini was the Yellow Ranger, and Billy was the Blue Ranger. And they're dinosaurs, I guess you could call them, or T-Rex for the Red Ranger, Mastodon for the Black Ranger, Pterodactyl for the Pink Ranger, Sabertooth Tiger for the Yellow Ranger, and Triceratops for the Blue Ranger. And when all five of these swords come together, they make the Megazord. And the Megazord has to battle against Rita Repulsa's uh, little alien creations that she throws down the earth because she makes them grow. So you think Think of like Godzilla where he's going through the town just destroying all the, the buildings and stuff. The Megazord has to battle against them when, they're, when they grow to this size. Now, there is one character I also want to talk about that I have not talked about yet. He wasn't one of the originals, but he's by far the most popular, and that's the Green Ranger, Tommy Oliver. Now, the Green Ranger was only supposed to be in season one for a few episodes and they were going to write him off but he was so popular he's my favorite power ranger 
And I think he's America's favorite Power Ranger as well. But he was so popular that people demanded that he came back. So by popular demand, Green Ranger came back and stayed permanently more than just five episodes. And that's a little bit of the beginning All of right. the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So basically, I would be the Green Ranger if I was a Power Ranger. I'd be the most popular one. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Talk to me. Tell me about the beginnings, the characters. I assume these folks are going to be turtles that you're going to be telling me about. Well, the main characters are. Um, but unlike Mr. Bennett, this concept of these turtles that are teenagers and they're mutants and they're ninjas actually comes from a comic book. Um, from a comic book series, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird uh, became friends, they came together, uh, formed Mirage Comics, and really came up with this idea of, of these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really as kind of a parody uh, at first to the comics of the 80s. Uh, it was a parody to Daredevil and Ronin and things of that sort. Um, and it, was kind of, it was kind of dark. The original comics were black and white. Uh, they were violent because there's ninjas ninjin. Um, but they were approached by a licensing agent named Mark Friedman, uh, who was the head guy over Surge Licensing. And they were approached, and this guy saw these characters, and he had one thing in mind. We can make toys. Toys is what he was looking to do. Before there was ever a TV show, based off this comic, he wanted to make toys. And he went to to several toy makers. Um, and you got to remember, this is the 80s. He went to LJN. He went to Mattel. He went to Hasbro. And they all told him no. Kind of a similar thing here where he got a lot of no's uh, at the beginning. And he went to Playmates, who were known for making baby dolls for little girls. But he went to Playmates with this idea, and they were interested because they wanted to get into the action figure market, but they were afraid that there wouldn't be, it was too cult, too much older of a crowd reading these comic books. And they made him a deal that they would make the toys if he could secure a TV deal and put on a TV show, a cartoon, to get these characters to a bigger audience in order for their toys to become profitable. Um, and that's what he did, uh, which I'll get into more uh, in a little bit, but what started, it was supposed to be a five part miniseries to boost toy sales, uh, which is not usually how it goes. Usually you've got a TV show and you build toys off that, but this show was made to complement the toys, uh, in the get go from the get go. Um, he gave the, the turtles different colors. They were all the same color before this concept came along to, to establish their identities, and that's exactly what they did. Between the four turtles, you've got Leonardo, who wears the blue mask and, and sash, 
and, and Leonardo, he's he's the leader of the group. He's the level-headed one of the group. He's the one the other ones look to. You've got Donatello, who wore the purple. He was kind of the nerd of the group. Uh, he was the intellectual, the, the strategist. Uh, you've got Michelangelo, who, who wore orange. He was more of the carefree, really more of the teenager type. And really, if we're looking at it from from a perspective that we see now as adults that we didn't have as a kid, uh, very much like a surfer slash stoner character. Um, he always had that that vernacular. They talked about pizza all the time, very much like we would see uh, now or you would see Spicoli in Fast Times at Richmond High. That's kind of who Michelangelo was, just – Kids didn't know who Spicoli and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Let me guess. You've never seen that either, all right? I've seen that. Okay. Shocker. Um, and then the fourth turtle, my personal favorite turtle, uh, was Raphael. He wore the red. Uh, he was the hothead. He had the angst. He was never afraid to throw the first punch, uh, hit first, ask questions later. Uh, that's who Raph was. And those are your four main characters. Kind of you're right off that main character. You've got their sensei, their master splinter, uh, who is not a turtle. He was a rat. Um, and how he became what he became uh, is different, whether you're reading the comics or watching the movies or the TV shows, because they all kind of vary. Uh, but it's all the same in that he was their father figure. He was their parent figure. Um, he was their master, their sensei. He trained them. He taught them. Uh, you've got April O'Neil, who is uh, the TV reporter uh, that they come to her rescue quite a bit. She's kind of female empowered, but helpless at the same time when outnumbered. Uh, and then you've got Casey Jones, who is another fan favorite. Uh, he's kind of a, a tough guy, vigilante type. Uh, who's known to, to battle with sporting goods, uh, particularly a hockey stick. Uh, and he actually met the Turtles because uh, he got into a fight with Raphael. Um, those, those are your good guys. And then your, your heels, your bad guys, if I went through all of them, it would take forever. Uh, but your main bad guys, of course, uh, throughout the original series, most of it, throughout the first couple movies, the big one they put on you is Shredder. Uh, he's the big um, former student of Splinter's Master, if you go by the movie storyline, but he's evil. And he's kind of the head thug over this this group called the Foot Clan. Uh, and the Foot Clan are kind of like stormtroopers, but maybe a little more apt. Um, they don't mess with every shot. Um, but uh, in the movies and in the early comics, they're portrayed as teenagers. But, of course, in a cartoon show, you don't want turtles uh, beating up a bunch of teenage kids, so they turned them into, like, these robots. Uh, but there's the Foot Clan. Uh, you've got Baxter Stockman, who was a mad scientist. Uh, you've got Bebop and Rocksteady, who were pretty popular bad guys back in the cartoon era, uh, who were a mutant warhog and rhinoceros. Uh, you've got Tatsu, who was Shredder's kind of second-in-command. Uh, you've got... Toka and Razar, who were in the first, or no, the second Power Rangers movie, were, were big parts. They're other two big, uh, strong, mutated, they're mutated snapping turtle and wolf. Uh, when you get into later stuff, you've got Krang, you've got Lord Dread, just a lot. But that's, I mean, that's 
kind of the character breakdown in the origin story uh, of these guys who made a show that became quite popular. And I have some incriminating evidence here because not only did I find a picture of myself, I found Uh-oh. a picture of myself and Mr. Bennett as children hanging oh. on, look at that, a Ninja Turtles pillow. <laughs> probably <laughs> watching Ninja Turtles. <laughs> found that. I found that same picture. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of find this one. <laughs> well, mm, I plead the fifth on that one, Bennett. If I were you, I plead the fifth. Well, we're going to talk about the movies here in a minute, but these, both these shows, or both both of these franchises, really got popular on the TV series. So tell me. Right. Tell me about the original TV series for the Ninja Turtles. Sure. Um, it aired in 1987, and like I said, it started as a five-part miniseries to get some publicity and drive toy sales uh, for these toys that Playmates was getting ready to pull out, put out. However, this five-part miniseries became so popular that there was a demand that they get more, um, and the miniseries basically turned into a full-time a cartoon for several, several seasons. Uh, it was on syndication uh, on Saturday morning, uh, kind of that first year of a full season. And after that first full season really became a worldwide phenomenon. Um, it became a weekday afternoon show, kind of in that time slot right after school. You got to come home and watch Ninja Turtles. And then it went back to CBS's uh, Saturday morning lineup getting a 60-minute slot uh, for several years. Uh, basically, a third a third of that CBS morning slot for children was devoted completely to the Ninja Turtles, and they, ha- they had PSAs, you know, telling kids to stay off drugs and respect the environment uh, and all that. It was a huge hit. Uh, eventually, it began to lose a little steam, and then they went back to only a 30-minute block, but they stayed in that lineup uh, for basically until 96. So 10 solid years in that original run. Fun fact, the theme song for that TV show that you apparently have never seen nor heard since you didn't get my little teaser at the beginning of this show was composed by Chuck Lorre, famous director producer whatever for you know two and a half men uh big bang theory a lot of the cbs shows uh before he became a big shot he composed the theme song for teenage mutant ninja turtles um ign voted the original run of the show in the top 100 animated shows of all time uh ign also rated it that one of the top 25 comic book shows uh of all time it spawned movies and franchise and merchandise galore that we're going to get into uh, later in the show. There was some criticism over it at first for it being too violent um, for a kid's show. Granted, it was much more toned down uh, than the comic books, which they did intentionally. But there was a little bit of pushback on that. But like any good show, there's imitators. And this almost directly spawned a lot of imitator shows that didn't do near as well because they weren't the Ninja Turtles, but shows like Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars, uh, Biker Mice from Mars, Street Sharks, all these shows were pretty much straight ripoffs of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but did not achieve anywhere near the success. 
Um, if you look at IMDb and you look at the viewer score, people that go on there and rate things, the original run of Ninja Turtles was rated a 7.9 out of 10 uh, on IMDb. And we're not, not a knock, but Power Rangers was only rated a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, and on Rotten Tomatoes, the original TV show doesn't have a critic score, but it does have an audience score of 99%. Um, it was a huge deal. All right, Bennett, tell me about the TV series for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Or, or are you just going to talk about Power Rangers as a whole? Did it just drop the whole Mighty Morphin? Or are you just talking about? Well, technically, the ones that we're discussing tonight were the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But if you want, you can just call them the Power Rangers, and we'll just we'll just roll with that. Okay. Depends on how technical you want to get. I'm not a very technical person, so I can just go Power Rangers, and we'll we'll go with that. All right. August twenty eighth, ninety three. Episode name: Day of the Dumpster. This is the first episode in series one that would have a total of sixty episodes. Now, this episode's very iconic. Um, you need to go watch it. It's very good. The VHS of this, just this one episode, ranks 35th in a list of the top video sales for that year and number 11 in a list of kids' video sales for 1994. There is a tie-in 3D read-along with this, and it became the number one seller at uh, Walden Kids, which I assume is like Walden Books for Kids. It displaced the Lion King. That's how big of a deal they were in 93. Uh, my personal favorite episode from season one is actually a five-part series. They're called Green with Evil. That's the name of the series. It's the debut in the story of the Green Ranger, who is initially evil. Um, he is kind of recruited by... Rita Repulsa, who is the main villain in the first season, and he's sent down to fight against the Power Rangers. And Power Rangers have a pretty rough time with him. He he kind of he kind of whips up on them there at the beginning. It took them five episodes before they can get that spell to, for him to snap out of that spell, and he eventually joined the Power Rangers. But following the first season, which was a, I'd say it was a pretty big deal. The second season, they came back even bigger and better in the second season. It began in July 21st, 1994, and ran through May 20th, 1995 with 52 episodes. And this was like really where they hit their peak. And they really ramped up in the second season. The villains were stronger. The Power Rangers had uh, – new arsenal, different weapons, different zords. In the second season, we see a new villain. He's an evil emperor called Lord Zed, who pretty much shows up and just overthrows Rita right off the bat. And Lord Zed means business. The first thing that he does is freezes four of their dinosaurs, and he actually takes control of uh, Jason the Red Ranger's T-Rex sword. So here they are without their dinosaurs, and this guy's just raising cane on them. Now, because of this, since they've lost these dinosaurs, they're required to upgrade 
two more powerful Thunder Zords, who then combined to become the Thunder Megazord. They had to get they had to get stronger to fight Lord Zed. Uh, and once the Green Ranger did join with them with the Power Rangers in the first season, it would be somewhat short lived as Lord Zed actually destroys the Green Ranger. Hmm. He's kaput. However, however, good old Zordon, the big talking head, he gives Tommy a new strength and he's able to become the White Ranger. Hmm. Now, Rita is not really happy about being overthrown and how Lord Zed's getting all this tension. So she gets back with him. She creates this love potion since she is a wicked witch and she makes Lord Zed fall in love with her and he marries her. Mm. Mm. Got him. Mm. Now this, now this season is actually interesting because not only do we lose the green ranger and we get the white ranger, we also lose the original uh, characters who play the Red Ranger, the Black Ranger, and the Yellow Ranger halfway through the season because of contract disputes. Mm. So they are replaced with new Red Rangers, Black Ranger, and Yellow Ranger. You have Rocky, you have Adam, and you have Aisha. Um, really interesting tidbit of information that I've come across. The LA Times in 1994 estimated that 99% of viewers aged 2 to 11 were watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on a regular basis. (laughs) Season one on Rotten Tomatoes gets a 80% from the critics and 87% from the audience. Season two, there's not really enough data from the critics, but it does get a 91 score from the audience. This show was Fox Kids' breadwinner. It was the top-ranked weekday show for ages 2 to 11 and the top-ranked Saturday morning show for kids aged 6 to 17 years old. Hmm. So it was like dominating TV at this time. It's crazy. Were you trying to say something, right? I'm going to go. Oh. I said women. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got him. After that, Lord Zeb was pretty much like, it's like a big puppy doll. All right. Well, this is of all the shows or of all the episodes, the movies. We're about to talk about the movies, but I have actually watched the very first Power Rangers movie, and I really like it. I really like it. So tell me, what's that face for? Why the face? Why the face? Wait a minute. Go ahead. (laughs) So tell me, Sir Bennett, tell me about the Power Rangers movie franchise. All I need is two words. Ivan Ooze. Ooze. <laughs> it's two, two, two L-Rod points. You got some catching up to do, right? Oh, I'm getting I'll get little... into plenty of ooze here in a minute. Just a different. Hey, I, I need all the help I can get with this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. There's been a total three theatrical releases. I'm going to go ahead off the bat. I'm not going to try to lie. But none of these three movies are ever going to be considered a uh, cinematic masterpiece in the film industry. But let's just take them for what they are, and let's look at these three. The first one, The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Hit movie theaters June 30th, 1995. 
And this, this, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but June 30th, 1995, think about that day. That's almost exactly one year after Forrest Gump came out. <laughs> Forrest Gump comes out July 6th, 1994. Almost exactly one year. He missed it last week. He got it in this week, Dad. Give it. <laughs> now, this movie here, I'm not, I don't want to ruin it for the people that haven't seen it because it's such a great movie. Like, it, it's probably, it's, it's probably uh, the best yeah. movie that you're ever going to watch in your life. So, I'm not going to ruin it. But I remember this movie being really hopped up. And I remember seeing this at the old Lebanon movie theater. That's where I saw it. Martin III. Ivan Ooze. He he wreaks havoc on the world. And Zordon, he uh, he kind of does a number on Zordon. But Rangers, they have to go to a distant planet to find Dolcea after their powers vanish. Now, it opened up that weekend with 13 million and it would go on to grow 66 million worldwide, which doesn't sound all that impressive when you think about it, but they had a $15 million budget. So they have like a four X profit. So if you go and you have like a, let's say you have a $100 million budget and the movie makes over 400 million, you're going to think, okay, yeah, it did pretty good. It did four X. So take it for what it is. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not going to say what the critics gave it. They're not very nice. <laughs> critics gave it a 37%. Oh. They don't know. They're, they don't really know what they're talking about. No. Audience gave it a 56 But Google users have come back and said they give it a 90%. 90% of Google users like this. Flash forward a couple of years, and you have Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, March 28th, 1997. In the sequel to the first, Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger and the White Ranger, and Amy Jo Johnson, who played the Pink Ranger, return. That's all I. They're back. Now, they must stop this uh, evil villainous diva talks before the wizard Larry got is thrown into a volcano. Sounds like a, sounds like a movie. I would, I want to see honestly, uh, rotten tomatoes. Critics gave it a 15%. Mm. Now I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think how that works is like golf. You want the low score. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> I think that's how it works. But audience gave it a 41%, and Google users give it an 83%. So let's give <laughs> it for the Google, Google users. users. <laughs> now, this movie grossed just $9.6 million. Mm. But, but if we can take anything from it, Blake Foster, who was the Blue Turbo Ranger, was nominated for Best Performance in a Feature Film for a Leading Young Actor and the 1998 Young Artist Awards. <laughs> so, there's that. The third movie, Power Rangers, just called Power Rangers, March 22nd, 2017. 
I had really, really high hopes for this film. And while the visual effects are cool, it really lacks the action that you want from the Power Rangers. The movie kind of reminds me of like The Breakfast Club in a way. It takes it way too long before you get any kind of action out of it. But when you do, it's great, but it's like at the very end of the movie. This grossed $142 million, which you think, oh, that's not so bad. They had a $100 million budget, though. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind, of, it kind of bombed a little bit. There were sequels that were planned to follow, and if you watch the ending of it and the credits, they, uh, they really start to uh, hint at making a movie geared towards the Green Ranger. And since they scrapped all the plans for this, I'm really upset about this because I did not get this Green Ranger movie. <laughs> but if you look at it for what, like, like I said, it's not the greatest movie in the history of mankind. But if you take it for what it is, it's really not a bad Power Rangers movie. Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it a 49% and the audience gave it a 65%. But what did the Google users give it? I don't have no Googles. <laughs> now, Paramount Pictures, they have a reboot in development. So cross your fingers that maybe, maybe they will get it right and give the Power Rangers justice on the big screen. Maybe if they bring back Alvin News, he can do that for him. Maybe. All right, right. So hopefully those turtles have had a better have had better success at the box office than the lowly Power Rangers. Tough act to follow, Rod. I just I just want to say I want to know what the what the Google users say about your movies. I didn't look at the Google users. I don't have and here's the thing, I'm a Google user and they've never asked me about those movies. But uh it would do them no good because those other than the first Power Rangers movie, I didn't see it. I'll just be honest. Um, didn't see it. Uh, but I did see the very first Power Rangers movie, and I just want to go into this before I get into mine. Bennett was right. There was a lot of hype around that movie. And my poor brother, I remember, I don't know if it was the first night, but it was really soon after it came out, took me to see that movie. And I left so happy. It was a great movie. It was a fantastic movie. I loved the Power Rangers movie. Fast forward a couple years ago, for some reason I'm up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and the Power Rangers movie is on one of these movie networks at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I haven't seen this since I was a kid and I watched it. It sucked so bad. It was one I had to admit I was wrong because as a kid I loved that movie. As an adult, it sucks. But don't worry, that's not exclusive to Power Rangers because I'm going to get back into that on my argument here in a minute. But I won't get to it on the first Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, this is a movie that really, to be based off a cartoon, kind of adulty. Um, it, it was probably, it had the characters from the cartoon, but a lot of the stuff maybe went more towards the comics. You had the Foot Clan as actual people. Uh, there was quite a bit of violence in it. I remember Raphael screaming damn it at the top of his lungs and being a kid going, I can't believe he just said that. He never said that on the cartoon. But this 
is a is a cinematic masterpiece, at least in my eyes, but also in the eyes of a lot of people. Rotten Tomatoes critic score in this movie, 40%. Not great, but for what it is, when you look at these other Ninja Turtles movies, you look at the Power Rangers movies, you look at other movies like it, a 40% critic score is not bad for that type of movie. An audience score, though, on Rotten Tomatoes for the first Ninja Turtles movie is at 81%. Uh, it's pretty universally loved. Pulled in $202 million at the box office. So what do you do when you've got a big hit? You make a sequel. And the very next year, my personal favorite Ninja Turtles movie came out, which was Teenage Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Um, mm. I have an ooze. No. <laughs> no, I have an ooze. Uh, TRGI think they're ooze but anyway the ooze was the stuff that that made the ninja turtles turn them from turtles to teenage mutant ninja turtles uh shredder gets his hands on it uses it to make toka and razor um and, and really tries to destroy the city um but the turtles have to stop him but this one was this one kicked it back down a notch uh was a little more like the cartoon they were still fighting real people um, it did have, you got to think this is 1991, a very, very special cameo by no one bigger in the world at the time, Vanilla Ice, um, who of course did the ninja rap, which complete transparency. I watched this movie today since I did not go to work. It's still fantastic. Um, fun fact, Super Shredder. When Shredder takes the ooze and grows big, is played by WWE Hall of Famer Kevin Nash uh, before he was a big deal. But side point, I'm, that's not an Elrod point. That's a rut point if I were, were mediating. Uh, but <laughs> one point to me. Uh, but um, Secret of the Ooze, uh, critics didn't like it as much. Still got a 35%, which, okay, average for these kind of movies, which was lower than the first one. It didn't get an 81 score on Rotten Tomatoes, but it still got a 67% audience score. So two-thirds of people loved it. For their target audience of kids, this one I think hit a little more because this one's always been my favorite um, of the three movies. Uh, pulled in $130 million. Uh, between the U.S. Uh, and Canada box office, and it wasn't released worldwide, but that also counts worldwide of uh, movie rentals in that $130 million. And then we go to the third movie, which, again, people have always hated on this movie, and I kind of liked it as a kid. I watched it several times, and um, today... After I finished watching the second movie, I went and watched the third one because they're all available on HBO Max, which is a fantastic new service. Hashtag not a sponsor, but how cool would it be if they were? Um, but I went back and watched the third movie today, and boy was I wrong. That movie was garbage. Um, I now see why everybody has hated on it so long because uh, I watched the first one Saturday, the second one this morning, after watching the second one, not the third one. First two, still great. Hold up. Third one, garbage. 23% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. 34% audience score. But surprisingly, it still made $54 million at the box office on a $21 million budget. So they still doubled their money, um, which 
I'm assuming piggybacking off the first two because that movie sucked. Um, now, they have made movies in recent years uh, to go along with the new franchise, but if it's all right with you, Mr. Elrod, Mr. Bennett, I will talk about those when we get to that part. That will work. Well, we talked about the TV series. We talked about the movies. It's no secret these two franchises produced a lot of money in merchandise, specifically toys. So, right, tell me about all the money the Turtles have made in merch. 1988, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise amassed $175 million in merchandise alone. 1989, $350 million in merchandise alone. By 1994, it was the most merchandisable franchise in the world, having generated a total revenue of $6 billion in in merchandise sales up until then. And when I say they had merchandise, Remember how I told you uh, Mr. Friedman came in and was a licensing guy and wanted to get these guys in toys? Well, Mr. Friedman laid a lot of money licensing these turtles uh, because they were on everything. Um, Not much different than Power Rangers, uh, as I'm sure Bennett will get into. Both of these were very much uh, well represented in pretty much any market. Of course, you had the action figures that really kept the Playmates company afloat uh, between that and the Star Trek action figures they got. But I watched, I'm sure both of you have seen, or probably you've at least heard of, the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us. Um, The Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers each have an episode in that series because they're both uh, fantastic and made a whole bunch of money. Uh, But for my research... I watched that uh, late last week. Uh, And the action figures these guys came out with, which looking at the show, I had a lot of. And really what they did was genius on a lot of fronts. Because when you look at it, you were getting the same action figures with different accessories, different clothes on. Um, They did a lot of cross-marketing. You had sports figures, Ninja Turtles. You had... Uh, Samurai Ninja Turtles. You had uh, cross-promoted with a lot of stuff. Um, You had play sets. Now, granted, I'm sure this wasn't the first toys to have play sets, but they're the first that I remember having. Uh, You had the big Ninja Turtles van that opened up. You had uh, the big, I can't even remember what it's called, but the evil lair that had like the prison cell in it. Uh, Yes, and all these toys that go with it. You had video games, both arcade-style video games, uh, and then the Super Nintendo came out, and we're putting video games on those, um, which I'm sure, I know I did, and I'm pretty sure Mr. Bennett played a whole lot of. Um, Between the arcade games and the video games, uh, they produced $450 million just from that. Uh, source of revenue coming from their video games. Uh, these guys were all over food. The food There were food tie-ins everywhere. They had deals with Pizza Hut. They had the color-changing cups when there was cold liquid in it. 
they had the cereal bowl and spoon, which if you bought one, you had to buy the whole set of four, which I had. Uh, speaking of cereals, Chex made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal uh, for an amount of time. Hostess made Ninja Turtles pudding pies. Uh, Nabisco made a gelatin ooze that came out with uh, the second movie, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, there was Ninja Turtles ice cream. Chef Boyardee had a Ninja Turtles pasta uh, that was in the shape of the turtles. These guys were so popular. This cartoon, these movies, this franchise. There was a concert tour in 1990 that had animatronics of the Ninja Turtles playing instruments kicked off in Radio City Music Hall in 1990. And the show was very much like a Bill and Ted-esque storyline through the show. Shredder kidnapped April, and they have to save April with the power of rock and roll. Um, Pizza Hut was an official sponsor for the concert tour. Uh, and, they, of course, they put out a subsequent soundtrack for this tour. They put out a VHS for the making of this tour, uh, which was another huge revenue stream. Um, everybody gives Gene Simmons a lot of flack because they say he'll put the KISS logo on anything. Well, Mark Friedman will literally put the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle logo on pretty much anything uh, because he sure did in the early 90s, and it sure made him a whole bunch of money. <laughs> I had forgotten about the Pizza Hut. No. Uh, One thing I want to say first before I get into my spiel is you said that the the video game in the arcade made 420-something million, something like that. I'm pretty sure 400 million of that <laughs> came from the arcade at the Happy J Skate. <laughs> that Ninja Turtle. Turtle arcade game at the skating ring. <laughs> you had to wait in line for that bad boy. If you weren't playing that game, you weren't nothing. <laughs> that and the old WWE WrestleFest. I would go to the skating rink and I didn't skate a lick. I played those two arcade games. Mm. Bennett, uh, tell me about the merchandise for the Power Rangers. Well, much like the Ninja Turtles, anything humanly possible that the Power Rangers could put a logo on and it would fit, they would make. And I'm pretty confident about that. Just speaking for myself, I know I had shirts, I had hats. I still I still have a wallet somewhere. I gotta find that thing. It just it's just a black wallet and it has the Power Rangers logo on it. I have a watch, a Green Ranger watch. That's still in the original packaging. I thought, oh man, this thing's going to be worth something someday. But eh, I don't think it's worth too much. But I know I had the notebooks, I had trading cards, uh, pencils, books, posters, VHSs, had all that good stuff for the Power Rangers. They made video games. Now listen to this they've made so many video games, 24 of them to be exact. The very first one came out on the Super NES, and the most recent one has came out on the Nintendo Switch, which just kind of shows their longevity that they've went from video games from Super Nintendo all the way up through now with the Xbox One, your PS4s, and your Nintendo Switch. They, they made some toys. They had a few toys. 
here. Actually, their toys were a huge deal and were by far the best selling item for the franchise. From that, you know, this, this 93 through 95 was really their sweet spot. Their toys were literally flying off the shelves. When somebody says, oh, this is flying off the shelves, no. These toys were literally flying off the shelves. And in 93, they actually had trouble keeping them in stock. They pretty much had sold all the stock that they had for these uh, these toys. So in 94, they decided to increase production. And they added 11 more factories to crank out these, uh, these Power Ranger toys so that the supply would meet the demand. And the rep said that they said, ah, we know we've, we've ramped up production a lot. We'd be really surprised if we had another shortage, you know, cause parents are scrambling. Kids want this for Christmas, 93 and 94 Power Rangers were the <coughs> hot ticket item for Christmas. Parents are frustrated. You know, you didn't have eBay or nothing like that. You actually had to physically go to a store. You didn't have Amazon you had to physically go out to the store and find these daggum figures. So apologize to my parents for making them go out and fight the crazy people so that I could get the brand new green Ranger that had a different gun or whatever it was this time. <laughs> but anywho, so they, they ramped up their production and the power Rangers merchandising swelled from just 4% of the market the year before to 40% of the market and hit 1 billion in profit sales. And this was around 94, 95 hit 1 billion in just a two year stretch. That's crazy. And despite that increased production, there was another shortage. Hmm. Now talk a little bit about these toys. There are a few toys in my life that I can remember getting for like, a specific occasion or I can tell you exactly where they're at and what store and exactly where you would go to find them. I remember exactly where the Power Rangers toys were. If you went to the Toys R Us in Rivergate, you go through the doors, you go around that little curve where the bathrooms were, you go straight to the back and go to the right. And that's where the Power Rangers were. I remember my very first Power Ranger toys. They were they were eight inch toys and they come in a package and that looked kind of like a triangle. These things are like super iconic. They're highly articulated figures for 93. I don't know how many points of articulation are on them, but even like even the finger would move so that it would be able to hold the, the plastic gun and stuff. They were extremely articulated and detailed for 93. I remember getting the Megazord Easter. I got that thing. If you look back in the picture right here in the back, there's my Megazord. Boom. Got him. Uh, I remember, I remember going to, and this was kind of before too, like, like, you know, back in the day you'd have the internet. You didn't have the internet. So you go to the store and boom, the toys are on the shelves. Not like today, where they've got the music comes out. Oh, they're planning on having these action figures coming out next fall. Check them out online. Get the pictures. No, you just walked into the store and you're like, what? What is this? We went to the Rivergate store. 
and they didn't have these figures in the back. They were right up front as soon as you walked in and kind of come around that little that little bend you had to go around. They had these six inch figures and they're they would actually morph. Their head, like you hit a little button, their head would flip around and they would be wearing the helmet. Absolutely changed my life, blew me away. <laughs> I think I went home with like every single one of them. It was crazy. One of the best days of my life. It was awesome. So, I mean, you know, I'm I'm 33 years old. And I can sit here and talk to you like all night about which Power Ranger I got, for what occasion, what accessories it came with, what line it was in. But I'm not going to do that. And this was, you know, 25-something years ago. That's the impact that the toys had on people that are, you know, our age, my age, red age, your age couple of stats here by 1995 they had 1 billion in toy sales and by 2001 that number had reached 6 billion now i don't have the numbers for now but if they made 6 billion dollars by 2001 you put 19 more years of steady toys being cranked out not like it was back in their heyday but they're still increasing toys and merch and everything so what's the number at today 10 billion, 15 billion, 20 billion, 100 billion, 100 billion dollars. <laughs> well, 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 does that still give you nightmares? By the way, right? Austin Powers, does still give you nightmares? Oh, oh I love Austin Powers. Wayne's World's better, but you know, uh, we've, we've already decided that. So, you touched on this earlier, Bennett, about how the power both these franchises have went through remakes and and new takes on the franchise but briefly tell me about the reboot for the power rangers the recent reboot yeah so pretty much after the show peaked around 94 95 they figured it'd be a good idea to make these two movies you know the one that came out in 95 the one that came out in 97 well, after they didn't do so well, the franchise kind of bottomed out a little bit. And they sold the rights to Disney in 2001. Viewership pretty much tanked as soon as Disney took it over. It fell from what I say before. They were like 4.8 million on the weekday viewership. It tanked down to 250,000. Disney almost killed this franchise. So thanks, Disney. <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they could have left the show in ruins and said, hey, you know, we had a good run. It's time to move on. But they didn't do that. Saban reacquired the Power Rangers in 2010 with plans to rejuvenate the line. Went back to their roots in the 90s. That was so successful. And this time, they hooked up with Nickelodeon. The first new series was called Power Rangers Samurai. And it was a pretty big hit. They bumped up numbers back up to 2.3 million viewers on average. Toy sales were also up. They made 40 million in revenue in 2011. And then that doubled to 80 million in 2012. Keep in mind too, they're not in their heyday anymore. They're kind of like, oh, uh, Mike Piazza was those last three years versus McCann. But anywho, this got kids interested again in the Power Rangers. Costume sales tripled in a matter of two years. So, you know, kids were 
they were uh, wanting to be like the Power Rangers again. People were having uh, Power Rangers birthday themed uh, birthdays, Power Ranger themed birthdays and stuff. Um, flash forward to 2018. Now Hasbro owns the rights to the Power Rangers. Hasbro is a pretty big powerhouse in the toy industry. And the shows are still set to air on Nickelodeon through 2021. And, and there's a possible reboot movie, like I talked about in the works with Paramount Pictures, who was also responsible for Forrest Gump. <laughs> two, two. So Whoa. I got high hopes for this. You do. You do, man. You are pushing all your chips to the middle. All your chips in the middle. Right? Tell me about remakes and everything else with the Turtles. Well, the original run of the Turtles went for 10 years, which with a cartoon show is unprecedented and insane. But like everything, all great shows, they're not going to stay as popular as they were. Um so they were canceled in 96 and then lo and behold someone else comes into the picture to put out a live action Ninja Turtles TV show. Man that Bennett named earlier, Mr. Saban. The man who who started uh Power Rangers decided he was going to make a live action Ninja Turtles show. It was a live action show. They introduced the first female Ninja Turtle, uh, Venus de Milo. And this one, the original run lasted 10 years. This series lasted a season. <laughs> and then it was canceled. Um, I have seen an episode or two of this. Uh, for those that don't know, I have a cousin that's quite a bit younger than me that I lived with for a bit. And I remember coming in watching him on him watching this one time and I said, what's this? And I watched it for a few minutes and I said, this sucks uh, because it did suck. It was not very good. Uh, it was canceled after a season. Well, then they make another cartoon version uh, that ran on Fox kids uh, from 2003 to 2009. That was actually very well received. Uh, IMDb gave it a 7.7 .7 out of 10. Uh, TV.com gave it an 8.8 .8 out of 10. Um, so they had, you know, five, six really good seasons there, uh, of not sucking being good. And then I feel like this show is a commercial for them. Uh, but then Nickelodeon comes into the picture and acquires the rights, uh, to the Ninja Turtles. And really we were too old at the time, but for kids that were the age that we were, I think this was almost just as big uh, as it was for us uh, from 2012 to 2017. I remember seeing um, the merch for this series uh, advertisements everywhere. Now, I hated it because it wasn't the original Ninja Turtles I grew up on, uh, but also very well received. 19 award nominations for this series, an animated series, three daytime Emmy wins. Uh, so it was pretty successful. IGN gave it the editor's choice title. Uh, season two finale of that Nickelodeon series 
received a 10.10 on IGN and had 4 million viewers uh, for one episode uh, during its first uh, airing. Now, the success of this show spawned new movies. 2014, they're going to put out another live-action movie that has Megan Fox, who in 2014 was a big deal, playing April O'Neil. Now, I said this wasn't the Turtles I loved as a kid, and it wasn't. But me and good friend of the show, Bob, went to watch this new movie on opening night because, because it's a Ninja Turtles movie, a live-action movie, for the first time in 11 years at that point. No, 21 years at that point. I can't do math. Um, we went to watch it, um, and it was not that good uh if we're being honest um didn't get near the reviews that the new tv show got only got a 21 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes uh did get a 51 audience score so literally more people liked it than didn't like it what about the google reviews i didn't look at it but let's look at the money the remake movie made 493 million dollars uh at the box office which is astronomical um, then they made a second live-action movie for this series uh, in 2016, which admittedly I didn't watch. Um, but still, uh, critics liked it better than they liked the first one. Audience, not so much. But it still made $245 million uh, at the box office. But the Nickelodeon version of the show uh, did gangbusters. Uh any metric you want to look at uh, was fantastic. That series ended in 2017, and in 2018, Nickelodeon decided they were going to make a new show uh, with Ninja Turtles called Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Started in 2018, still on uh, today. There is another movie that's in production right now uh, for Netflix. Uh, another, it is a an animated movie. And there's a live-action series in the works right now for CBS All Access. So, Turtles, Turtle Mania, Turtle Power, Heroes in a Half Shell are still doing quite well uh, in 2020, 35 years uh, after their origins. <clears throat> All right. Brings us to the final category tonight. We've talked about the movies, we've talked about TV shows, we talked about all the toys that these franchises have sold, made more money that you can put in a in a moving van. But tell me about the impact on pop culture as a whole for your show, sir. Right? Here's the thing, you get a lot of things that become phenomenons. Beatlemania was huge for a number of years. Um, Power Rangers were absolutely massive for those first two seasons uh, and then started to drop off. And while Ninja Turtles never have and probably never will reach that same success they had in 1988-1989, they have still lived well past their mania phase. Um, across six theatrical films, five TV shows, a recent animated crossover with Batman, 
that Rotten Tomatoes loves, by the way, that I've failed to mention. Uh, a bevy of video games, countless comic book appearances. The Ninja Turtles have embedded themselves into pop culture in a way that few, if any, ever have, especially when we're looking at independent comic creations. Um, they created a vernacular of words that I don't know those that words like cowabunga. Yeah. Garth, uh, Garth, Bart Simpson was huge for cowabunga, but the Ninja Turtles were huge for cowabunga. Um, the words like radical and totally words that I would never have used if I hadn't watched copious amounts of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You look at the fans the fan base, the diversity of the fan base they had in the early 90s and still into today. You had comic book fans who were fans of the comic books. You had kids that loved the cartoons. You had adults that would watch, that were probably forced to watch that first movie with the kids, but the first movie translates well to adults. There's a good story. There's action. Um, I have a feeling that probably pulled... Um, some people in just this diverse crowd that wasn't just kids. It wasn't just comic books. It wasn't just adults. It was a big melting pot of all these people is what made them such a big thing. And when you look at, you look at people our age, especially mine and Bennett's age, things with nostalgia mean a lot. Things we grew up on our age group, Loves the Ninja Turtles for nostalgia. Comic book fans still love comics from the 50s and 60s. If they loved these movies or these comics when they came out in the 80s, when Mirage Comics, when Laird and Eastman put them together, they probably still love this franchise just because of that, because that's the kind of crowd that doesn't let go. Uh, because of that, there's still a big deal 30-plus years later besides the, the spot all the changes in the world, changes in taste, changes in culture. Uh, kids today, in general, want nothing to do with anything that we enjoyed when we were kids. But yet today, in the year 2020, on some level, granted, it ain't the Ninja Turtles I grew up on. I don't sit and watch it anymore. But as far as just looking at this franchise as a whole... It's just as relevant today as it was to me when I was a kid, 30-plus years later. I'd say it's had a pretty deep impact on pop culture. I mean, the original cartoon went 10 years. That's almost unheard of. Bennett, tell me about the cultural impact for the Power Rangers. Well, we all know it's, it's one of the most memorable pop culture franchises of the 90s. I'm not really going to, just for time's sake, I'm not going to sit here and go through everything that the Power Rangers mean to pop culture. If you want to do that, like Rhett talked about earlier, you can check out the uh, toys that made us on Netflix. There's a ton of good information about both of these. Highly recommend checking out both of them, both episodes, Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. And the wrestling figure one, too, while you're at it. <laughs> that one's good, too. Very good. And a Star Wars one. Just go watch the whole series. <laughs> yeah, they're actually they're all really, really, really well put together. But anywho, obviously we know Power Rangers have had a huge impact 
on pop culture. And I think that's largely because of the massive merchandise success they've had over years and for the fact they've been on television for the past 27 years. It's had many highly popular TV shows that have given a nod to the Power Rangers over the years. Think of some of these really popular shows that I'm about to mention, and they've kind of either spoofed them in a way or kind of acknowledged them in a way. You've got Futurama, My Little Pony, X-Men Animated Series, Paw Patrol, Pokemon, Rugrats, Sesame Street, Simpsons, Superman, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and many, many, many more. A lot of them I've never even heard of, maybe because I'm really old, I don't know. <laughs> but um, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers merch has kind of made a comeback here recently. Hats, T-shirts, hoodies, all that stuff, etc. They're back in style, especially among people like uh, our age range there. Also back in style are the original Mighty Morphin Power Ranger toys that sent the United States into a pandemonium nearly 30 years ago. They're rebranded now as the Legacy Series, but you can purchase exact replicas of the original toys. Maybe you didn't get the uh, Megazord or whichever one for whatever reason back then. You can go buy them now, and it's much cheaper to buy which even the legacy series stuff is starting to go up in price on the secondary market, but they're much cheaper than going on eBay and trying to buy an original Megazord in the box. That's going to set you back about 450 bucks. Um, like I said, it's one of the best shows of the nineties screen rant ranked it number five as the best nineties kid show of all time. It was ahead of shows that we all love. Like, are you afraid of the dark? Rugrats, Hey Arnold, and a whole lot more. Um, I know that no matter your age, you know, whether you were an 80s or a 90s kid like we were, or a 2000s kid, or on up, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers has more than likely defined your childhood in some way or another. All right. Now it's my turn to ask the questions here. And I'm going to take a different take on it tonight. I want to start with you, Rod. You have one minute to tell me who is your favorite Power Ranger and why? Easy. It's Raphael. Um, he, Power Ranger. Power Ranger. Oh. Um, <laughs> the, to look at Kimberly, the Pink Ranger, who Bennett has failed to mention for every prepubescent boy our age was most of them's first crush, but beside the point. Um, my favorite Power Ranger, I did not like Trini, the Yellow Ranger. She was not a fan. I was not a fan of her. Zach, the Black Ranger, kind of cool. Billy, the Blue Ranger, was a nerd. You know, I was a huge fan of the Red Ranger. Uh, red was kind of my color then. I was a fan of Raph when we're looking at Ninja Turtles. Um, I was a fan of the Red Ranger, but... You know, the Green Ranger comes along. Then he turns into the White Ranger. Tommy Bennett said it was everybody's favorite. Tommy was probably my favorite. Um, just because he was everybody's. Now, before Tommy was a thing, uh, I was a Red Ranger guy. I was a Jason guy. 
Um, but if we're talking about looking at, and if I went back and watched now, Kimberly would be my favorite. Bennett, you know where I'm going with this. Tell me who your favorite Ninja Turtle was and why. One minute. My favorite Ninja Turtle has always been Leonardo. Always. I don't I don't know why exactly I could tell you. Maybe because I relate a lot to him. Not so much in that leadership role, but how level-headedness that he was. And he was just, to me, he was the coolest of them. I wasn't a huge Donatello guy. Um, Raphael, I liked I liked his edginess, especially in the movies. And uh, Michelangelo was probably my second favorite as a kid, just because when you're younger, you can kind of relate to him because he was the kind of the happy-go-lucky one of the bunch. So I would go with Leonardo for sure, but also – some of the other side characters that are kind of like random and obscure, there's some really cool ones to go back and see, like from the uh, the comics and the animated show and the toys even. There is a <laughs> – this one's funny. There is a giraffe, and he has a basketball hoop around his neck. I think he was called um, Hot Shot, I think. And uh, there's some other funny ones too. There's a – there's one that's called, what's he called? I can't remember the name of him. I think Spot or something, but he's a Dalmatian and he's a firefighter and he has the hydrant. A lot of stuff that the Ninja Turtles did was kind of like ironic stuff, kind of like how you have these turtles who are, you know, a turtle is a very slow, just not a very agile uh, animal and they turn them into these like fighting ninjas super athletic teenagers they did that a lot with a lot of their obscure characters too quick question do the power rangers or the ninja turtles is there a duck involved there is a there is a duck hang on hang on <laughs> i know there's a duck on the ninja turtles yeah, that's what He's I was not signed or nothing, but he is a duck. <laughs> had to throw that out there. We had to bring back the duck. To it. I, I remember the toy. I'm looking at the toy. He's like a fighter pilot. <laughs> well, while you're thinking on that. Before you go into this, I want to tell this story that complements the show. Um, has nothing to do with the argument. But I thought about this a couple days ago. Do you remember those random things as a kid that you should, there's, it was not significant enough to really have why you should remember it, but you do. You all have those moments of when you were a child. Bennett, I was thinking a couple days ago, really the only memory I have of you living in the cove. Um, when we were kids, I remember standing in your driveway playing Ninja Turtles, and we got into this big diatribe. I had to be Raph, and you had to be Leonardo, and we went back and forth on why they were our favorites. Your favorite color at the time was blue. Um, blue started with a B. Your first and last name started with a B. 
I like Raph because he was red, which was my favorite color at the time. He had an R. R was for Rutherford. I remember having that conversation in your driveway in the Cove when we were how old? Uh, probably six or seven. Yeah. Man, we were sophisticated kids. We really were. Amazing. We made all those connections. Yeah. But check this guy out. Hey, <laughs> yes. Duck. Not only has he managed to put two Forrest Gump references into this episode, he just provided evidence of a duck, which screwed me last week. But Did Richard Petty sign that duck? <laughs> hey, side note about Richard Petty. I did uh, reach out to him via fan mail about telling us more about this duck. So I'll keep y'all updated. All right. All right. How about you take us home tonight and convince me that the Turtles are better than the Power Rangers? Well, it comes down it comes down to this, Elrod. I loved Power Rangers. I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A vast majority of people, at least in the age group of myself and Mr. Bennett, loved them both. And it really comes down to a preference thing. But what I will say is this. Let's go back and look at these, top, at these topics. You look at the beginnings, and really the Ninja Turtles are a, a comic book story with a very strange beginning. They really started this show just to, to boost toy sales. We look at the characters. Now... The characters in Ninja, uh, Power Rangers were great. But after that first season and a half, they started changing. And they just started changing and kept changing. From what I could tell, I didn't. I only watched like the first couple seasons and I became disenchanted with it. But there was a little bit of replaceability uh, in those Power Rangers. And there was not in the Ninja Turtles. It was your core four. Now, granted, I understand these are animated characters. They're not human beings. But through everything, there's the core four. Uh, we look at the original TV series. Like I said, it lasted 10 years. It has an audience score of 99%. And you know that 1% is just some guy being a smart aleck douchebag. Um, <laughs> universally love TV shows. You look at the movies, I win that category. That's hands down. Uh, we don't go by Google users here. We look at other sources. <laughs> That's category I win. Um, you look at merch. You look at the impact on pop culture. Both of them made a whole bunch of money. Both of them made a whole bunch of impact. There's not a lot of separating between those two. But I, I think you've got to go Ninja Turtles because slightly – the longevity of the original run of the TV shows. A lot of people love the Power Rangers. But Turtles had 99% score, audience score. You, you, what separates them is the TV show slightly better. The movie's a lot better. The rest of it, pretty equal, comes down to complete preference. And really, you can say the Power Rangers TV show was better uh, if that's your preference. That's what it comes down to. Really, the only separating factor is the movies. Uh, and Ninja Turtles should win, so therefore I should win. But really, this franchise is a true underdog when you look at it. Two guys get together, 
to make a no-name comic book company just for fun come up with these characters. Guy comes in, wants to make toys. They get told no by the big dogs. They get told no by LJN, by Hasbro, by Mattel. They end up going to Playmates, keep Playmates in business. They want to make a live-action movie. They go to all these studios in Hollywood. Nobody would make the movie because comic book, this was before the first Batman uh, came out with the best Batman, Michael Keaton. This was at a time when comic book movies had failed. Howard the Duck is a comic book movie that bombed. The Superman movies before that time sucked, bombed. Nobody wanted to make a comic book movie. Uh, they got told no by nearly every movie studio for that first movie. And then finally it's made and it's a massive success. They were told no by toy companies, told no by movie companies. They survived a terrible movie. You know, sometimes you make something and you hit that one jump in the shark moment and the whole franchise dies. The third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie sucked. Saban's <laughs> uh, version of the TV show, the live action TV show sucked but it survived a bad movie and an awful series to make a comeback and put huge numbers uh in the 20 teens and still be very relevant today 30 plus years later i love the power rangers i won't say anything bad about the power rangers but when you look at those couple of separating factors the winner's got to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sir Bennett, take us home. Why are those pesky Power Rangers better than the Ninja Turtles? Well, Rutt has given you a lot of great points and arguments, as he always does. And after hearing his closing arguments, you may possibly be leaning towards the Ninja Turtles. And just in case you are, it's morphin time. <laughs> it's time to give this battle to Whoa. the Power Rangers. And, and here's why. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers have remained one of the most successful franchises that's geared towards kids in the last 30 years in terms of ratings, sales, popularity, you name it. Another thing about the Power Rangers is that they are relatable. I think at some point in our lives, every kid has wished that they could be a Power Ranger. And when the Power Rangers put their helmets on, it's really easy for a child's imagination to picture themselves as their favorite Power Ranger. And this goes not just for boys, but also girls. The girls in the Power Rangers proved to be just as worthy and just as tough as the guys were. And back in their heyday, 40% of the audience was girls. Now, another thing that the Power Rangers have been able to do is they've been able to adapt you've got 27 seasons you've got 20 different versions of the power rangers but they're able to keep the franchise fresh and interesting 
for each era of viewers that come along. What a kid might think is the greatest show, you know, might have been like the 15th or 16th season where we think, oh, it's original. And then somebody else said, no, no, it's the ones they're putting out now. That's the best one. This formula that the Power Rangers has has worked and it's proved that it's worked. They also, you have a new line that comes out. So then you need new toys, you need new clothing, new merch, all that stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a cycle that they keep going through and it's lasted this long. Now the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like we've talked about tonight, absolutely ruled TV from 93 to 95 averaged 4.8 million viewers in the first season. And that spiked up to 6.9 million in the second season, making it by far the most popular kid show of that time. Toys. Think about the toys at that. Some, some of the stuff that they were doing with the toys was really kind of before their time, like the little morpher I just showed you and the articulation that they had on the very first feet, the eight inch figures that they did. And then even the Zords, they were kind of complex about how they would all link up together where they could stand alone as a Dino Zord and you could play with them. And then you can link them all together and make this crazy Megazord. It was pretty impressive for 93, actually. Um, even the, even though like you got your characters, you've got the costumes, which are spandex, I guess. And the storylines, they change every season with the show, but kind of the heart of the show remains. When I was doing this research, I kind of come to a conclusion that all those years there that I watched Power Rangers, the TV shows, the movies I watched, there was a couple of things that it did subliminally that I didn't know about at the time. But I've kind of picked up on a little bit more now. And I'm actually, I'm actually going to have to give them credit for it. They taught me kind of a couple of things. First is that you're going to fail, but you got to keep fighting. I noticed that with this five-part series with the Green Ranger. When the Green Ranger came out, he gave them their first defeat, which is unheard of. Like, oh, wow, the Power Rangers actually got defeated. And they were left scampering back to their uh, little headquarters. And they go back to the headquarters and – the Green Rangers already destroyed the headquarters, Zordon's down, Alpha 5's down, but they were able to dig out of that hole. And it took them five episodes, but they finally got the Green Ranger out of this spell and had him join their team. And the second thing that I've kind of noticed is that there's always going to be a bigger challenge. And I thought about that with like Lord Zed. You had Rita Repulsa in the first series. You're like, man, this chick's tough. You know, there's no way nobody can top this. Then Lord Zed comes in and he's even tougher. So you kind of relate that to life where we face challenges and sometimes they're bigger than others. But you have to face these challenges and conquer them and not let them stand in your way. So I give them props for that. Now, Elrod, tonight we've talked about two great franchises. I love them both. I really do. And you can you can go with the Ninja Turtles, and I can't even be mad. Or you can go with the Power Rangers. That would be that'd be great. That'd be awesome. But 
there's only one real answer and that's go go power rangers <laughs> go ninja go ninja go i don't know what tech y'all are talking about but I... oh my god that just oh did you just throw your power ranger down no i threw my pen oh <laughs> all right guys well this is how i scored the bout tonight I think the beginnings for both the Power Rangers and the Turtles are about even. About the same start. No one gave them a chance. And like you said, Bennett, they he failed, but they succeeded in the end. And that goes for both franchises. I think if you look at the movie franchises, I don't think this one's that close. I think you got to go with the, the Turtles. Uh, for a tip for a franchise to be very successful as that as the toys are for the power rangers you think that the movies would be more successful i was kind of shocked by that i, I knew that the, i thought that the first power rangers movie made a hundred million dollars i didn't realize it only made 67 million i was i was surprised by that so i will give the edge to that and also the tv series and how they've reinvented themselves over what, 25, 30 years, I would give the TV series to the um, Turtles as well, overall. Merchandise. Both of these, it's almost a wash. Um, Power Rangers are still making millions of dollars. So are the Turtles making millions of dollars. It really can't decipher who's made more money, so that's a wash. Now, Bennett tonight has went to bonus land a lot with Ivan Ooze. He's went there with bringing two Forrest Gump references in here. So he is, he's right there now with his bonus points. Here's a tiebreaker here for me. There's really two tiebreakers. I asked my wife, the only outside help I've got in this entire week is I asked my wife, and I, I thought that she would go with the other one. I said, who, who do you think is better, the Power Rangers or the Turtles? Who do you think she said? You want my honest opinion, given yes. her age? Yes. She's younger than you, is she not? Yes, three years. Given her age, she was born past Turtle Mania. So I would guess she would have picked Power Rangers. Who do you think she picked, Bennett? That's tough because, you know, we know both of these shows have rebranded themselves over the years. So it really depends on, it kind of depends on the year she was born. I'd say Power Rangers. Well, I will reveal the mystery. She said, without question, it's the Turtles. Wow. You so that shot me going in. I, I was on the fence. I liked the Power Rangers movie. I, I don't dislike the turtles. I mean, I had I had seen some episodes of their TV shows in my life. I just don't remember any of them. <laughs> I don't remember specific details. But here's what does it for me. I th- I like the argument about longevity. I made if you remember the argument I made for George Strait compared to Garth Brooks. I like longevity. I like that someone that's done this thirty years and been consistent. And that's what you have with the turtles. The Turtles have been consistent. There's maybe been a couple times when their their low is better than the Power Rangers low, the way I look at it. 
And the Power Rangers for that that two year stretch in ninety three, ninety four, that their peak is probably greater than the Turtles. But if you look at it on a timeline, I think that the success of the Turtles across the timeline puts them over the top by nose. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Thank you. Is it, are you ready for our alternate ending now? You ready for this? <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no alternate ending. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think a big part of it comes down to preference. There's not a lot of separation there. And, and honestly, what I was worried about coming into this from a, from a winning perspective is here's the thing. I think me and Bennett are in that age group where it could go either way. A couple years before us got to really appreciate when the Ninja Turtles became a huge deal. Uh, I think we were probably a little too young when they first peaked. Now we remember their peak, but not when they first peaked. Um, if you, but we were also in an age where we were still there and remember the explosion of the Power Rangers. Elrod, I think people more your age and younger missed that Turtles peak um, and were there for the Power Rangers peak. And considering that you were the mediator, the age you are, for those listeners, viewers, whatever, Elrod's a few years younger than myself and Bennett. Because of that, I thought I might lose tonight. Because um, I feel like, but when you're looking at mine and Bennett's age, I think it's a matter of preference. Um, there are some stinkers in this. Power Rangers movies, the third Ninja Turtle movie, the Saban series, live action show. They both hit lows, but they both hit about as high as high as high can get. Comes down to preference, and uh, I'm glad I convinced you of your preference tonight. Good job, Bennett. I don't necessarily agree with your logic in the picking of the winner, but I'm not going to complain because I won. That could be arranged. Do what? Say, do you want to lose? That could be arranged. The only thing is, you preach longevity. I think both of them have pretty good longevity, but yeah, technically, turtles have done it longer. They were around about six, seven years earlier. So, all right, all right, guys. Well, thank you uh, for sticking around. Let us know what you think in the comments. Do you agree? Do you disagree? It's a preference thing. I'm gonna guess. It's probably going to be about half and half um but uh really either way this would have gone tonight i, I feed a pig power rangers i would have been mad um pee pig ninja turtles definitely not mad um next week i don't know what we're doing uh i think it's been its turn to mediate unless we do something strange uh don't know what the topic will be uh but it'll be something interesting and fun hopefully not as long as this episode went for those of you that are diehards, I know we've got diehards that are on the Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers scale sitting there yelling at us. We left something out. We left a lot out of this argument, and we're still pushing two hours. Um, 
we scratched the surface like we got to do on a lot of these. Who knows? Maybe some days when maybe someday when we run out of topics, we'll go back and hit the finer points of something. Who did have the best peak year? Uh, Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers and break it down that way. Um, but for now, just very general. Um, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Um, I mean, they are the world's most fearsome fighting teens. Uh, they're heroes in a half shell, and they're green. Uh, but anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Remember, podcastawards.com. Uh, go there, tell all your friends to go there. The deadline is July 31st. If you guys get us nominated, we're going to do something big, some kind of giveaway, some kind of something. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I need to discuss it with these guys. Uh, but you get us nominated, it'll be something big. If we somehow win after only being in existence a few months, we'll do something huge. I will give you my child. Um, cause I got another one coming. I can get rid of the first one, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, no, that would be more of a punishment most days, but I do love her. Uh, but anyway, uh, guys, podcastawards.com. Uh, we're in the entertainment category and we're in the overall, uh, people's choice category. Go get us nominated. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Keep up with us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, make sure, even if you watch this, go listen to the podcast every week. Drive up our numbers so we can make the show better for you. Parting shout out again uh, to Abby Gastitis, uh, U.S. women's rugby team captain, getting ready for her Olympic run, taking some time out of her day to give us a shout out. We truly appreciate it. Gentlemen, any parting words? Mm, what do you have to say, Bennett? Well, it wasn't the outcome that I wanted, but I do love both the Turtles and the Power Rangers. So I'm going to have to say this probably is one of my favorite episodes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the great, greatest hits where we have Bennett from each episode saying that. We're just going to make a whole episode after so many that only includes – Force Gump references and Bennett saying it's his favorite episode. So. I got the content. Yep. Um, whether it's Go Go Power Rangers or Go Ninja Go Ninja Go, we got to go. You go to podcastawards.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>